0: Welcome to Mill Resource Radio, where we highlight military and veteran support organizations. Hear directly from organization leaders and those who've benefited from their services. Thousands of organizations exist, but if you don't know about them, how do you seek their help? Join us for discovery, access, and knowledge about effective military and veteran organizations, sharing their missions and accomplishments directly with you. And now here are your hosts, Linda Crater and Les Davis. We will start today. I'm going to introduce Jason McNamara, who's our co-host today. Jason, it's great to be with you here today.
1: Good morning, everyone.
0: Good morning. We have a really fun topic today, and it's one that's so near and dear to all of us because we've all seen family members and vets and active duty service members, actually, affected positively by the addition of service dogs in their lives. And Jason, I think you and I know that one of the things that is always needed when people are transitioning back and things are different in whatever way they may be is having a purpose and something else to take care of as purpose and structure. And so many families question whether additional work is what they need. But talk a little bit about some of the benefits that you have seen with friends who have had service dogs or are looking for them right now.
1: Yeah, you know, I think the one part that um, we could all agree upon, whether you're a veteran or otherwise, is that animals make for great companions. And Um, You know, if you're a single person out there or if you're a family, it doesn't really matter because um, the amount of love and understanding that comes naturally with having a companion like a dog uh, is is really um, unconditional and really um, a gift in in a lot of ways. And when you look at military veterans and as they're transitioning, um, especially those that are um, somewhat delicate in their transition, Mm -hmm. finding someone that they can rely on and having a partner, if you will, um, to be able to go out and conquer the world is a, is an important first step. And so, uh, you know, I've had a number of military folks that I've um, interacted with over the years that have had the luxury of being sponsored through service dogs and, and um, having organizations like we're about to talk to today, step in and, and help connect veterans um, with, with dogs. Uh, And, you know, the, peace of mind and the calmness that comes with having an animal is is not to be understated. And I think as veterans transition, and um, again, highlighting those that are sensitive, try to find a way to connect to the world again. Um, An animal is a logical place to do that.
0: Well, it does because they don't judge. They don't, they don't talk back. They simply give you that unconditional love you already mentioned, but it is also uh, almost, um, it's a quiet therapist, and I think all of us, if those of us who have pets, let alone service dogs, know that if our animals could talk, they know some of our deepest thoughts and feelings, and I think we all know that getting those out and about really does help sometimes to relieve the pressures that come with... Going through a combat experience, coming back, the world is very changed. And and as you said, the transitions where people are more fragile than expected, um, they may be more surprised by that than anyone. And so it's a lovely way to do it. We're going to be talking today about the kinds of service dogs the training that's necessary, how to apply for a dog, um, what's the best dog for you? Lots of questions that people have and it's actually a more complex preparation than I think folks think of at first because there's a science as well as a magical art that is going along with pairing the right animal with the right veteran and family. So we're going to be talking to two wonderful individuals today. From Patriot Paws, we're going to be talking with Lori Stevens, the founder and executive director of Patriot Paws, and Terry Stringer, the assistant executive director, and they are coming to us from Texas and have a wonderful background that just is so well suited to this, And, and I'm anxious to hear their story and to really understand more and share with our listeners how all of these terms the the pieces of information you're going to get today can help our veterans and their families seek out a service companion dog, a service dog, a a, uh, therapy dog. There are so many different kinds. And let's start, if you don't mind, first of all, welcome, Terry and Lori, to Military Network Radio. I almost forgot that part. Welcome.
2: (laughs) Good morning. Thank you. Nice to be here.
0: Well, I I just keep picturing the picture that you sent me, which had a puppy cart, a wagon full of puppies from your organization, and I picture that, and I think that I've already met you all, so forgive me for that late introduction, but let's talk first about an overview. Um, As Jason would say, let's unpack this a little bit um, and have a current understanding of the value and benefits of service dogs to the veterans. Lori, do you want to take that one? I, it's kind of an
3: overwhelming first question because we've been doing this, we've been with Patriot Paws for 11 years. Mm -hmm. And some of the things that you just imagine that, you know, they can help open and close doors and pick up dropped items. But it's the unimaginable things that they've been able to do that even as professional trainers have been training for over 30 years, the dogs have still surprise me on things that they can pick up and ways that they can help veterans yes. um, that we can still not always predict or plan for. They're just amazing cri- creatures and have an ability to pick up on things that we don't always plan on, but just,
0: it's just a cool stories. It is. And there's an empathy factor that comes with dogs in particular and you know other animals of course do there are many types of service companion animals and therapy animals that work but i would say that the dogs are the most commonly used and very very important so terry did you want to add to the values and benefits Uh, the first question, because it is a huge one, and we'll talk about that throughout the show. But Did you want to add to what Laurie already mentioned?
2: Sure. Well, we already know that dogs are man's best friend, Mm -hmm. and they do so much for us more than just some of the physical things, the emotional support that we get from the dogs. 99.9% of our veterans have post-traumatic stress to some degree or another, and one of the things they do is they just – cause the veterans to have, be more relaxed to de-stress. And it's amazing. Lori said that uh, some of the things they can do is just amazing. We don't, we don't even think about it. We had a veteran with a dog not that long ago that um, had post-traumatic stress badly. Uh, The veteran, not the dog. And uh, we had gone, we do outings with the dogs and their veterans before they graduate. And we were at Costco and, um, When we were there, um, the veteran was going to buy a jacket that he found. And the closer he got to the register, the more anxious he got because Mm -hmm. he didn't deal with people well. And this was a dog he'd only had for five days during the training. And uh, all of a sudden he realized that his dog was leaning up against him. Which what that did was it refocused the veteran onto the dog and not onto his anxiety. And even knowing his veteran for that short a time, they pick up on the things that uh, the veteran's going through and the chemical changes in the veteran, and they they do things that we we don't teach. It's just a natural instinct because they're bonded with their person. What a
0: wonderful story! I mean, honestly, that you're you are describing some of the things that you cannot imagine, and yet I'm I think that when you see that. Do you also then, I don't want to say build it into the training, but are you more observant to pick up on these unusual things and and perhaps um, cue into them, cue into the animals as you do on a break? So I don't want to throw you a long question, but maybe we can just get a quick yes-no answer and we'll resume after the break. I'm going to say yes.
3: And um, during those 10 days that the veterans are here, We are uh, the trainers that's their number one thing to do is watch the dogs we want the dogs to pick their veterans because if they pick their veterans they're more likely to pick up on their their stress levels and their post-traumatic stress so a big part of our job is to watch the dogs and listen to what they're having to say if you let them pick their, their veteran they're more likely to pick up on the anxiety levels.
0: Oh I love it we're going to go on a break and we will be back right after these short messages. We're Mill Resource Radio, and we'll be back after these short messages. Are you a family caregiver in the military community? Join us on VeteranCaregiver.com. In the military and veteran community, there are 5.5 million caregivers of our nation's injured, ill, and wounded. Whether your family member served in World War II or in the most recent Iraq and Afghanistan complex, There are unique needs in military and veteran caregivers. Navigating any medical system takes skill and help in obtaining good care. Veteran Caregiver has access to a rich network of advocates and organizations to assist you. Find excellent resources, short informative videos, an active Facebook community, and empathetic support. Veteran Caregiver supports those from every service branch and those who served in any conflict. Need information on sandwich caregiving? EFMP or aging issues, VeteranCaregiver.com provides information and community to those managing busy lives with compassionate care. That's VeteranCaregiver.com. Support for those who care. Terry Stringer of Patriot Paws, and we're talking about service dogs. And before the break, and we will come back. To what we talked about before the break about the dogs picking the veteran. But before that, I think it's very important that we talk about the various different types of service dogs, because I think that, in many ways, there's some uh, lack of knowledge, some naivete about. You know, I'll just go get a dog. I've got a prescription. I'm going to get a service dog. And can you tell us about the various types of dogs so that we have that out on the table? And then we'll go back to talking about the process. So who would like that question, Lori or Terry?
3: I'll start. Uh,
0: the number one dog, you know,
3: everybody knows what a guide dog is. That's the, a dog that helps sublime. blind. Mm-hmm. And uh, then you go to a hearing dog. Those are dogs specially trained to alert someone with hearing concerns and issues, and then you go to the assistant dogs. Now, assistant dogs can come in in many different categories. Um, They're also, that is what you call a service dog. That dog is trained to assist someone in a minimum of three different tasks that can help them with their daily life, whether it's opening doors, getting help in an emergency, picking up dropped items. There are so many tasks that these dogs can do. So, you've got your guide dogs, hearing dogs and your service dogs are the three main care dogs that have full public access they can go anywhere you and I can go uh, in the state of Texas the only two places they're not allowed without permission is someone's private home or a church I've never been turned away from a church at all
0: mm-hmm. With mm-hmm. any
3: of our veterans but a few private homes if they have allergies or something to particular dogs you know, they may request that you leave your dog home but these dogs are the fully accredited ones that go each and everywhere you and I can go. Uh, and then Patriot Pauls also does what we call, we place dogs with uh, district attorney's offices that are working with uh, children that have been mm-hmm. sexually assaulted or abused. And it's so much easier to tell the dog the stories. Now, those dogs do have full public access and they're usually placed with an officer with a disability but they are in high demand, then you have what's called a facility dog. A facility dog is a therapy dog that works Mm -hmm. along in a particular location. We've had a few dogs that uh, the veterans have passed away, and we've actually placed them with therapists or something, and that dog goes to work every day in the VA hospitals and works with the other veterans within the location. So facility dogs are trained for that particular location. That does not give them full public access to go anywhere and everywhere, that they've had permission and training to work in a particular location.
2: And then uh, another, this is Terry, another one of the uh, types of dogs that people get confused are therapy dogs. And therapy dogs, mm-hmm. like, like Lori mentioned, they can be facility dogs. They can also be the dogs that, People taken to hospitals, nursing homes, and places like that, and therapy dogs have a right to be in those places. But again, they do not have full public access. Uh, and then there, and there's a whole new uh, realm of called um, emotional support animals. Mm-hmm. And you notice this as animals because emotional support animals can be anything from an iguana to a dog to a pony. But um, the the thing is, a lot of people think that an emotional support animal can go anywhere that their person can, and that's not true. They don't have full public access. Many times they're not highly trained, but they're there to give that person who has anxiety, you know, emotional support. And because even those of us that don't have, you know, high anxiety, we have our dogs and our dogs. And when we're down, we turn to the dogs. And so it's the same sort of thing, but, those should not be confused because, as Lori said, the only dogs that are allowed full public access are the uh, service dogs, including guide dogs and hearing dogs.
1: That's a that's a long list. Yes, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's a very it's a very a very exhaustive <laughs> list. Uh, but <laughs> it, it seems very very much needed, especially to be able to to strategize and, and align with some of the communal needs. Um, just backing up a little bit. Um, How does this process sort of happen right like how do you get connected to the veterans and then how do the veterans get connected to the dogs and and how does this sort of life cycle exist and and what are the touch points uh, and some of the challenges along the way i know i know there's a lot there but would appreciate your your thoughts there
3: well we started out uh, um yeah i was a professional dog trainer for years and the veterans were asking for help they came to me uh, they were trying to train their own dogs And they were asking for help. When we started, uh, we were, you know, this is back in 2006. We were one of the few that did it just for veterans because they were asking for help. And so what we do is, you know, like anybody else, we have a website and they fill out an application. And we realized that there's um, the education, the knowledge of what a true service dog is, is hard on a lot of people. Not everybody understands what it is. But they go through in what we call the pre-application, because if you already have six dogs, I'm not sure you need another service dog. Uh, so there's a lot of pre-application they go to, and then they go to our veterans. Our veterans have their own committee. They review the applications. They talk to these veterans, and they see whether they really need a full service dog or whether they just need a good, what we call social companion dog, someone that, a good, well-trained dog to live in their homes. Um, so we go through a lot of processes before they actually get a fully certified service dog. There's a lot more to it than people think. They think they come in here and they, uh, walk in their doctor at the VA gave them a prescription for a service dog. They came to pick it out
0: (laughs) (laughs) right off the shelf, right? Right off the shelf.
3: Well, we spend a minimum 18 months to two and a half years training our dogs, and the last three to six months, they're customized trained for each individual veteran. This is not something we don't go we don't just spend 90 days working with a dog uh, training it. We've
2: put a lot of time and energy uh, into the training of our dogs. And when we do have uh, two veteran coordinators who are veterans themselves. One is a Vietnam veteran and the other is an Iraqi veteran. and they have contact constant contact with our veterans. Uh, from the time they put in an application and are accepted uh, in our program until long after the veteran gets their dogs and beyond. They never lose touch. They stay in touch with them on a regular basis. So it's a a pretty involved, as Laurie says, a pretty involved process. And um, we have once somebody gets, you know, uh, is accepted, Unfortunately, there's an extremely long wait for service dogs mm-hmm. of about four years. So four every, years. Four years because it takes so long to train them. Mm. And, um, you know, that's what a lot of people don't understand what all goes into it. And pretty much every organization that does what we do have the same length of wait time. Um, and we have currently we have 108 veterans waiting for dogs. And so we are trying to, you know, trying to get dogs out as fast as we can. There's a huge need.
0: There is a huge need. And it's growing because I think so many are now seeing the benefits of a friend of theirs, a buddy of theirs. Um, It wasn't the work that the family thought. It was actually adding such richness to their families. And I I think that's so important. Now, organizations have different philosophies on either breeding their dogs Using rescue dogs, um, where they're trained, how they're trained, and, and there's some philosophies behind those. So, how, how did you come up with yours?
3: Well, uh, when we first started, we were
0: only using rescue dogs because there were
3: a lot of great, wonderful dogs in the animal shelters. Mm-hmm. But as we've grown and as the demand, we couldn't get, we were spending so much time untraining behaviors that dog knew and that uh, or had already learned in the shelters that we weren't having the greatest success rate. So we've started getting breeders to donate their dogs to us. And now we've probably got about an 80 20 20%. About 80% of our dogs come from breeders and um, things, but the other 20% come from rescue dogs. We have a few rescue organizations that we've partnered with. And when they find one and they've already pre-screened it for us, then we'll go out and evaluate it. But because our list is so long that we do... You know, get our dogs from breeders. A lot of them are donated to us, and then we buy, we bargain with them, buy one get one free kind of thing. <laughs> we are a nonprofit, so but we don't want to spend our time breeding dogs. There's too many of them out there in the world. A lot of people. I mean, we don't have any problem. We turn down dogs almost daily, because we're a smaller organization. We'll stay under a hundred dogs at all times, and. But we're working constantly. I mean, we train them for two years, so we've got a lot of time and energy put into these dogs to work with these veterans. We want to know the temperament and personality of our dog before we place it in your home. Uh, I mean, just like Jason's online with us, and I've never met Jason, never met his family. So one of the first things that Patriot Pauls does is we do an in-home visit. We do a thorough visit because we want to make a good match for you and whether you have the time or the energy. A fully trained service dog is about the mentality of a seven-year-old child. And Jason, I don't know if you have any other kids, but you want me to give you a seven-year-old child that you've never met? High energy, full of mountain climbing kids? Mm-hmm. Or do you want me to take the time to get to meet your family and get to know you and uh, understand you know, your daily activity, whether you're a high energy person, you're a low energy person? So taking the time to get to know our veterans and understand their family helps us with the placement of our dogs.
0: Yeah, I think Jason would opt for not having a seven-year-old with his infant.
1: (laughs) Just say it. Honestly, the the child in me was like, yeah, 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 yeah. And then the (laughs) the adult in me was like, okay, that makes more sense.
0: (laughs) Don't you hate when that happens? You know, it it is very interesting, though, and and what you say makes such sense because you do put all this time into training these animals and to – know that you want the success rate to be high. I imagine with this care that you put in, your success rate is very high.
3: Yeah, right now we've run in about a 62% success rate on all the dogs that come through our program. And that is very high for an industry, Uh, number of dogs that are actually successful. But our actual placement successful we're running at about a 95, 96 percent success rate with our veterans that actually keep the dogs and live with the dogs for more than you know six months and to two or three to the lifetime of their dogs.
0: Oh, I love it. I love it. Um, we're going on another break. Time flies. Um, if you'd like to follow along with us as we're talking today, you can go to their website, which is PatriotPaws.org. Pause like the pause, p-a-w-s and we'll be back after a very short break and we will learn more about how the dogs pick their veterans we'll be right back we're mill resource radio and we'll be back after these short messages back. Jason, you had a question?
1: Yeah, I just wanted to, to finish up um, some of the things that we chatted on before the break. Uh, specifically, uh, you had spoke about, you know, how you get connected to your veterans and sort of the lengthy process um, that veterans get connected with their dogs. Digging a little deeper, what, what does that look like when I'm a veteran, you know, I've, I've been prescribed a service dog, um, and now I'm, I'm reaching out to you, how do you court me as a veteran through that process up until the moment of um, me actually having my companion?
3: I think the hardest thing for uh, any veteran is the waiting list, because how would you like to go to the doctor and get a prescription? And they say, here's the medicine that can help you uh, with your concerns, but you have to wait three to four years to get it. Mm -hmm. Uh, It's kind of Depressing, I guess, is the mm-hmm. best way to say it. So what we've done is Patriot Paws has opened our doors to our veterans. We involve them as much as possible in the activity. And to, I mean, we have veterans around here that bathe puppies and, you know, help them acclimate to the dogs beforehand. Um, but then after you go to the veteran community, uh, a committed committee, um, then you'll go uh, onto what we call the pool. And as we see the dogs that are coming up, we say, Okay, we have at this next graduation, we're going to have 11 dogs. So we'll pick about half the many veterans to start with, because we always take the time to listen to the dogs. When they come in, they come in here for two weeks. Uh, The first day is introduction day and we watch the first impression these dogs have on each and every veteran Uh, during that day. You know, they'll get to meet all the dogs that are up for graduation. Now, some of them are alternate dogs. They may not they may be a little immature to graduate at this time, but we want to see how they interact with veterans. And so the first four days, you know, we talk about the dogs, we talk about the basic training, we watch how you naturally hold the leash, walk with the leash, work with the dogs. But our trainers are walking around with little clipboards and they're watching the dogs. They want to see if that turned that dog loose in our training center which veteran does he seek that company from? Uh, Will he prefer one veteran or she prefer one veteran over another? How many times that veteran has to ask for help? Then you also have to think from a trainer's point of view, uh, which side the dog walks best on? Does he walk better on your right side or does he walk better on your left side? Do Do you have a cane? Do you have crutches? Are you in a wheelchair? Are you in a scooter? We all know whether our dogs work better in wheelchair with someone in a wheelchair. Are they work better on the right side or the left side? So all of this is taken into consideration. So we're watching and we're studying. And my favorite day is the fifth day that you're here because that's the day after your long wait on the waiting list is the day I'm going to tell you which dog goes home with you. Uh, So you've waited for all this time to get a dog, to see a dog and um, fall in love with a dog. The first four days we tell you don't fall in love with any of them because you don't get to fit. Uh, it's really hard for some of them to say, uh, we have veterans come in and say, I want a short-haired dog. And they go home with a flowing golden retriever, you know, with all that <laughs> hair. And, but they need to, it needs to be a match to fit into the home. It needs to be comfortable, not only for for you, but for that dog. Because if he's not comfortable in that environment that we put him in, well, he's not going to be there to help you. We had a veteran, the very first Iraqi veteran we worked in had a black lab and a yellow lab and one veteran. And he came in from the army and a sergeant and his tone of voice is he would say, sit. And the yellow lab would just cower, you know, like yelling at me for, you know, I didn't do anything. But the black lab's whole butt was wiggling. Okay, I'll sit, I'll sit, I'll sit, I'll sit. As long as you throw the ball, I'll sit. And so, but of course, the veteran came in and he chose, my dog's tail banging, uh, he chose that uh, he wanted the yellow lab from the day one. But as he got to working with the dogs and watching the dogs, he realized, hey, this black lab is really working better for me. I mean, he's not afraid of me. He's not, he's volunteering to get up and help me in different things where the yellow lab was very cautious so that's just an example that there's a lot more to it than just going in and picking out what you know the prettiest puppy in the picture um, you've got to in the family in the relationship and then after that we spend the rest of the two weeks working with the dogs showing you how to customize them the Patriot Pals takes it to the next level when you go home when you've graduated from your training we send you home with restrictions. You're not allowed to take that dog out in public for the next two weeks because we want that dog to acclimate to the environment because you've taken this dog that's been raised at Patriot Paul's for two years of his life, and suddenly you've thrown him in a whole new environment. And that environment may have kids running around. That environment may have another dog in the home. That, so there's a lot of different things going on that – that's behind the scenes that people don't think about. So for two weeks, you're acclimate. you let the dog acclimate to your house, and then Patriot Pulse will send a trainer to the home of that veteran to go be the first one be there with them when they go out in public, how they handle the interaction in public. We make sure you have a veterinarian. We have to go to the vet with you, and we go to maybe a VA appointment with you, or if you go to work, we go to work with you. So we take it to the next level where we're working with you each and every step of your life and each changing step for this dog and the um, training that the dog has had. And
2: then when the, uh, at the end of that week that the trainers are with the veterans during that time, they give them a public access test. And a lot of times the veterans don't know they're being given the the, uh, public access test because it makes them very anxious. So we, uh, will determine, you know, if they pass through public access. At that point they get their vest. And the dog, you know, is now a fully certified service dog. And uh, but we don't stop there. We go out to our veterans anytime if they call us and say, hey, my my dog Spido's not doing you know what he was trained for, you know, we'll go out there, we'll send our trainers wherever they are in the country. Um, and uh, they'll spend time with them, or if the veteran is in Texas, sometimes they'll come here. But we always make sure we never, once once a, a veteran gets a dog, you know, from us at least, they're part of our family. We always tell them, you're part of the family now, whether you want to be or not. <laughs> but uh, we, you know, we really take care of them, and, and uh, they know we care. And so we're always willing to make any adjustments necessary, you know, with the dog and the veteran.
0: You know, I'm listening to you talk about how you involve the veterans while they're on this waiting list, which is brilliant, because I imagine they then begin to see all the care and time and training that goes into a dog, which only builds the anticipation and respect for this animal. Would that be correct?
3: It would be correct.
0: They need to know how much time and energy it takes. You know, you
3: can go to a shelter and you can go in and get a dog and you can come out in an hour uh with any dog but we want to make sure it's the right dog for the family the right dog for the veteran the it's got to fit it's like you know in the old world when your parents found your your spouses for you do you want your mama to pick out you know your wife or your dad to pick out your husband and things like that it might have worked a long time ago but in today's world these dogs need to know i mean i'll know if um our dogs are scared of buses, you know, community travel and our trains. And then I know I'm going to give it to a veteran that lives in the hills of Kentucky. I don't think you're going to be riding very many buses. And so those are things that a lot of people don't think about. There's so much more to it to make it a team. You also have to see we have veterans that hug the, the dog so hard you want to choke the dog, you know, or we think your mother and the dog. But then again, there's some dogs that just want to lay out across your lap and let you hug them all if you want. And there's some other dogs that say, hey, let's go work, you know. And mm-hmm. so you want to you take the time to let it be a working team. The best service dog is not how well trained they are. The best working dog is the relationship between that veteran and that dog. And you get out what you put into it, just like any other good relationship. You can have a good working relationship and you can work together but can you live together? There's two different things.
0: Brilliant. I'm wondering if we can talk just briefly about accessibility because you say you know you look at the dogs for it but what about some of the things that we hear about that the disabled still have and I'm talking about disabled as well as um, disabled veterans are being denied access with even a fully certified dog. Uh, is that changing and becoming more um, prevalent that it... it, it I can't even say it. Is it easier to have a, a dog now um, have full accessibility with greater knowledge?
3: I think the, there's two weaknesses there. Uh, the biggest weakness is if the dog's well-trained and marked Uh, In a vest, in a harness that says service dogs, it it helps. But you have to learn that in today's world, not all disabilities are visual. Right. Uh, I still have, when I'm out with my dog, I still have them uh, security officers coming up saying you need to leave because you're not blind. No, (laughs) not all disabilities are visual. And it's one of the cards that we make for the veterans. Uh, Just hand them a card and say, not all disabilities are visual. Mm So that is one of the things. It's lack of education. Some of the things that I see on television that escalated uh, way out of proportion that it should is because they ask a veteran to get out of the store with his dog. Well, first of all, it would have been—you do not have to have a vest on your dog. The ADA regulation, but you should. I mean, you really should. It will help the public if you identify your dog as a service dog then they'll be less likely to say, hey, he's, you know, he's got a service dog. But you also think about some of these veterans. Just to get back in public, their stress mm-hmm. level is way over the top. And then you take their dog in that possibly doesn't have a vest on or doesn't behave like a service dog, and then you get him in public, it's really hard for that person or restaurant owner store owner to know, are you just bringing in a dog or are you bringing you know, who are you and what are you doing?
0: But you, you make another point, too, and unfortunately, we're coming up to another break, but with a vest, I think it also helps to communicate with those who want to pet your dog, and I'm sure in some cases that's okay, but in many ways, we're always told service dogs are there to work, and they're not pets, and not to touch them without permission, so doesn't a vest help all the way around for both the uh, alert to the public as well as the veteran to be able to work with the dog?
3: In the real world, I wish it was that easy.
0: Uh, okay. In, in the real world,
3: the best is a magnet. It draws people's attention to them. And we let our veterans, we had one veteran, and I don't know if we have time for this. Cause, uh, yeah, but let's, you know
0: what? Let's just cut this now and we'll save it for right after the break because it's important. That's a very important point you make. We'll be right back after these messages. We're Mel Resource Radio and we'll be back after these short messages. With Dynamic Woman, Sandra Beck and Linda Crater host Dynamic Women Talk Radio, bringing lively weekly shows in a roundtable format with influential guests from around the globe. This amazing tribe of diverse and accomplished women share their candid views on topics such as reputation, handling rejection, loyalty, what is sexy, overthinking, blended families, and much more. Discussions are joyful with freedom to address topics from various perspectives with candor, respect, and no judgment. These are the conversations you wish you could have with all your family and friends. Dynamic women have lived their lives boldly with unexpected and sometimes undesired turns in the road of life. Yet detours and bumps bring opportunity, personal growth, more authenticity, and a fresh outlook. Join our welcoming tribe of dynamic women each Tuesday at 12 p.m. Eastern Time, also on iTunes. And more information at dynamicwomentalkradio.com, celebrating vibrant, charismatic women everywhere.
2: Welcome back. We were talking about,
0: right before the break, that sometimes the service test. Does clue people in, but other times you mentioned it acts like a magnet. Can you elaborate on that?
3: Uh, it's mostly the children that want to come up and see the see the dogs, and you'll be surprised at how many kids will tell their parents, oh, you can't pet that one because it's a service dog." Uh, but it is; it's a magnet. But it's, it, there's a twofold there. Read the vest for one thing. Read the vest. If it says don't pet, don't even ask to pet that dog. But some of our veterans used the dog as an icebreaker. We had a gentleman that in a wheelchair. And he said once he became in the wheelchair, he became invisible. You know, And I don't know if how you were raised, but I was raised, you don't stare at somebody with a disability. You just go on. And so people got where they would not only not stare at him, but they would look at him.
2: Aww. And he
3: felt like he became invisible. So his vest says, please ask the pet. Because, yes, his dog was working. But the first outing that we took him, we were working at a, a hardware store here in town. And I was Bluetooth training him because the dog had a tendency to do whatever I wanted the dog to do if I said a cue. So I was talking to the veteran through the phone and I would tell him, okay, sit down. He went around a corner out of the side. And then all of a sudden I get this big sound. Hey, Lori, guess what? I said, what? He said, she actually talked to me. Uh, he wasn't invisible anymore. The lady asked him about his dog and how the dog was helping him. And he will go out in public again because people will talk to him. He's not invisible. So take the time to respect the vest first and foremost, but read the vest. You know, I've got some dysfunctional veterans that will put dysfunctional veteran back off on their vest. And then I actually had one younger veteran that put a little bitty patch on the side of his vest that said chick (laughs) magnet. So (laughs) my first thing is respect the vest, but take the time to read the vest. Uh, And uh, if it says don't pet, don't pet. Um, If it says ask to pet, that's an opening for the door. We have a lot of different dogs out here. I mean, everybody loves a gorgeous, you know, Labrador but then if you're working with a standard pool or we've got some very unique mutts, uh, there's nothing better than a good old mutt. Uh, we've done the same thing. We've tried to train German shepherds. We've tried to train, train pit mixes. Shelters are just full of pit mixes. Uh, for strength, you know, you want them to absolutely help with balance, bracing, pulling wheelchairs. But they're not always public accepted. Uh, if you get on an elevator with a, Gorgeous little yellow you know, Labrador, and everybody smiles and grins at you. But if you get on the elevator with a pit bull, they—they uh, they, some of them will get off. They don't want to be in a combined area with that.
1: So uh, thank. Oh, so sorry. <laughs>
3: so. In, yeah, go ahead, Jackson. I'm sorry.
1: No, I, I think you're you're getting to the point where I think we were we were going to ask, and that is sort of how do you select the breeds? And I think you're you're starting to carve that now a little bit, but. Well, how do you choose those breeds? And, and, and I think your, the public perception point is excellent. So um, if you could continue on that part. Sorry.
3: We've trained a couple of German Shepherds because they're awesome dogs. But we've learned over the years that you can't take the breed out of the breed. I mean, what was the German Shepherd bred for? He was bred for protection. And uh, we've had a couple of Shepherds that we were training And when you're injured or you're hurt and you call an ambulance driver, then your adrenaline's already going up, and their natural instinct is to protect you. They've actually got between the ambulance driver and the veteran. And uh, so, you know, it's hard for us not to pick German shepherds, but some of them are just not going to work out for us. For Patriot Paws, our primary goal was to train dogs for mobily disabled American soldiers. And that means 90% of it is get help, you're retrieving something. You're retrieving a person, you're retrieving a phone, you're tugging on a door, you're picking up dropped items. So for our particular training, we spend, we we have about 80 to 90% of our dogs are Labradors. And public's perception is great. We don't have to worry about it. We do have a couple of poodles and doodles. And uh, we've even, because we want the size and the power, we've even tried a couple of Bernese mountain dogs. Uh, because we want the pits and the rocks are built the right way, but the public perception is not. there's a lot of cities that have breed restrictions, you know and you don't need to add that additional stress to the veteran that's already struggling to get out in the public so if you you know if he's coming in one thing with a dog okay you're already questioning that you may not see his disability and the second thing he's coming in with the a drooling big old pit bull dog and then you're going, oh <laughs> um, sure. people there's nothing wrong with any breed. But it needs you have to remember what it was bred for and what its ability to do. If that dog is passed a public access test, uh, and can pass the you know the standards he's out in public, give him the benefit of the doubt. Now I still have a hard time with the Shih Tzus on the airplanes and <laughs> as a service dog and things like that, because I want to know what physical tasks that can do. The requirement for a good service dog is: is he physically helping that person? Is he making a difference in that person's life each and every day? It's not my job and not your job to question that. Um, but if you know we're part of Assistant Dogs International, the standard, the setting standards for service dogs. And one of the key standards is, is that dog helping that person in a minimum of three different ways, tasks to help him with his
2: disability
3: or her disability?
2: We also use Goldens, but Goldens, unlike, well, labs are very friendly and sweet, but Goldens are your Peter Pan of dogs. And so (laughs) they sometimes never grow up or they're so friendly that it's almost a detriment, but uh, we do have some that have been placed that are very good. But when Lori was talking earlier about the dogs placed in district attorney's office, goldens tend to be the choice there because they love everybody and they want to play. And they're just, they're just goopy sweet dogs.
1: Sure. So I have a couple more questions here and this is super interesting. I, um, I want to talk about two parts and I don't know. They're not, well, they're loosely connected, but um, the first one, you know, we've we talked about some of the great success stories, um you know i 'd be very curious about um some of the not so successful stories and and sort of how you all um handle those situations uh and then the, the second part of of the not connected question is you know this seems like a massive operation right a hundred dogs you know four year life cycle to be able to get these dogs out back to their veterans, coordinating with the veterans i'm curious about you know how you support. Um, the operations from a nonprofit perspective and, and who is supporting you and, and how um, others can advocate for you?
3: Well, number one, we are a nonprofit. We are 100% public supported. Um, for Patriot Paws, it runs about $34,000 per dog. We do not charge the veteran anything. We do require the veteran come here for their two weeks. Uh, but 100% public supported is how we do this because you know, I'm the old fashioned way, if you lost both your legs trying to protect me in the country, you sure need some help and I don't, you don't need to pay me for it.
2: Uh, what was the second part? Yes, oh, about the, how we support the prison program. Uh,
3: our training, because of our training is so intensive and to keep our costs down, we've partnered with Texas Department of Criminal Justice. We actually train the inmates how to train the dogs. So our dogs are with a trainer 24 hours a day, seven days a week, learning how to walk politely through doors and outdoors. And that's a whole different story on itself. So the other partnerships we have was some colleges in the area. We work with Texas A&M and the children, not children, students, <laughs> they don't like me calling them kids. The students... Uh, actually socialize our dogs for us. So they'll go into prison for three to four months, and then they'll go into a puppy raiser home for socialization for three to four months and then back to prison for three to four months or in the hands of one of our professional trainers. So there's a lot more to it than people just think, you know, I want to go to Walmart and pick me up a dog.
2: Yeah. It's a rotation. So that throughout their entire training, they rotate between, prison and puppy raisers and so forth to get them as much exposure to different things as they can. They can't stay in prison full time because prison, if they're in prison for long periods of time, they, they get uh, isolated and they, they get, uh, you know, to where they, they don't see the same things they do when they're out in the real world. So they have to have a, a good mix of both. They get institutionalized. And then to answer
3: your other question, is it
2: for everybody?
3: No, it is not for everybody. Again, a service dog is work. The dog is there to help you, to assist you. It's not to do it for you. And you have to work together as a team. It's like we talked about earlier. It's like you having a seven-year-old child in your house. And are you willing to work as a team? Some veterans we don't, are not successful. We have a veteran uh, just here recently that had three kids that his wife took care of. And when he went home with the dog, he, we didn't go by the rules and regulations that they needed to go. And the dog became a family pet. Um, I spent $34,000 on this dog and the training on it. I don't want it to end up in your backyard chasing the squirrels. I want it to be there to help. You. We've had tremendous success, but yes, we will pull the dog back if it's not um, the perfect dog for the family. We had it. Young gentleman, all of our dogs are taught that the kennels is their room. It's their place. It's their bedroom, their safety net. Refused to ever buy a kennel for his dog. So he had a two-year-old daughter. The dog's asleep on the floor. She runs across the floor and flops on the dog's belly, who is sound asleep. Mm-hmm. And the dog wakes up and goes, Arr! you know, and uh, I pull the dog. Would I give the uh, veteran another dog? No. If you're not going to go by the rules and you're not going to fall and put the dog, it's, it's as much a safety thing as for, for the dog as it was for the kid. I mean, if a two-year-old come running and jumped on my belly at today's my age, then I might growl at you, too. But uh, it wasn't the dog's fault. You know, He, would I have thought he had never bit a dog when he was anybody when he was awake? No. But I had to flunk that dog out of our program because on his records, he snapped at a child. So they're not all successful. You have to go by the rules. You have to follow directions just like you would anything else. I have literally seen it them save so many veterans' lives that I can't even, in an hour, I couldn't tell. Probably in a week, I couldn't tell you all the
0: stories. But but thank you for telling us these stories. And let's make sure that our listeners know how to reach you. And can you share your URL again? Again, Lori Stevens, executive director of yeah, Patriot Paws. The, URL. Pa- the A- URL. I'm sorry. The uh, the link to go find out more information about
2: Patriot Paws. Okay. It's www.patriotpawservicedogs.org. O-R-G. I think you
0: can get to it just at patriotpaws.org because that's where I have gone as well.
2: Okay, because there are some. You can
0: Google it that other way. But, you know, I thank you so much for sharing the details of this. I think it's so important. As you said, someone can't come in with a prescription and pluck a dog off. But it sounds as though the process itself is as therapeutic and helpful to readying the family and the veteran for the dog and and watching out for both the dog and the veteran and making that relationship count working as a team does make a difference every single day. Thank you for spending your time and expertise with us today. We are delighted to have had you.
2: Thank you for the opportunity.
0: Thank you. You're so very welcome. Thank you for listening to Mill Resource Radio. For more information, go to millresourceradio.com.